to see today's photo, go to mtforchrist.org or follow me, M.T. Clark, on Facebook or Twitter. Good morning. Today's photo of my canine pal Harley rounding the corner from Waite Road to the unmarked Farmer's Gravel Road, which we have affectionately named Freedom Road, comes to us from yours truly as I paused for a second uh, during last Friday's full moon late afternoon stroll to capture the moment. Well, it's Thursday, and I share today's photo of a gravel pathway to encourage my friends to take that bend in the road of life to step on to the path of Christian discipleship, where you decide to not only believe that God, uh, that Jesus was who he said he was, but that you put your faith in him as Lord and Savior and commit your life to following him as a disciple, an eager and obedient student, and surrender your life to God's will for your life. Beyond easy believism or nominal faith, essentially being a Christian in name only, claiming the faith but living like your non-believing neighbors, discipleship is agreeing not only to believe in the gospel, but to also repent, to turn from the world's ways, to learn and live by the way of the master, as we voluntarily commit ourselves to become slaves to Christ, and to live for God, and do his will on earth until he calls us home, or Jesus comes back. Unfortunately, the idea of living for God has somehow been separated from the way our faith is presented for quite some time, and has led to shallow faith and great misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian. Christ said in Luke 6.40, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so, we are to be like Jesus, who also said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall, not, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And he also said in Luke 14, 33, Whoever... Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And in John 15, 8, he also said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And finally, the Great Commission in Matthew 8, 28, uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus told us to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus commanded us and to and that lo he is with us always even to the end of the age amen Jesus instructs his disciples us to abide in his word to forsake the things of this world to obey his commandments to follow him with the way we live our lives and to make other disciples Yesterday, I spent some time talking to one of the men taking the Freedom in Christ course, and he confessed that while he had great hope from the things that he was learning, he was struggling with the negative thought, with negative thoughts and falling into sin. His internal dialogue told him he was a failure, and his confession revealed that he was stuck in a vicious cycle of bad feelings and negative thoughts, temptation, sin, and guilt that kept going around and around. He stated that he believed what the gospel told him in his head, but didn't believe it in his heart. I asked him 
if he ever felt joy or was thankful to God for his salvation or was ever moved by emotions during worship. And he admitted that he often was, to which I responded that that that, that indicated he did believe in his heart, but he was being deceived, was actively denying what the word of God said about who he was in Christ by believing the lies of those negative thoughts and was not submitting to God and resisting the devil by falling, uh, by failing to repent and say no to the sins that were driving his shame and guilt and feelings of condemnation. But his cycle truly started with failing to stand in the truth of who he is in Christ. I told him that he had to believe and prove his belief to himself by living as a disciple of Jesus Christ which meant doing the things that Jesus said, that, and that if he would start actually doing the things that Jesus tells us that his disciples did, those faithful actions would further confirm his identity in Christ and give him the fruit of the Spirit, feelings of peace, joy, and love, as he grew in his goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, and self-control. And if he did that one day at a time, he could say, I do believe, and I'm living it. There is no better time to start living it to, than today. It's the season of Lent, so repent and believe in the gospel. Speaking of Lent, it's the 14th day of Lent, and so we continue my personal walkthrough of Gracia Grindal's 40-day journey with Martin Luther to observe and celebrate celebrate the Lenten season. In this walkthrough, Grindel's devotional, it is our hope that we will get to know Martin Luther a little better as we seek to draw closer to the Lord on our journey to Resurrection Sunday and Easter or Easter Sunday. And so we continue with journey day number 14, where Martin Luther writes, you are not to covet your neighbor's house. What is this? Answer, we are to fear and love God so that we do not try to trick our neighbors out of their inheritance or property or try to get it for ourselves by claiming to have a legal right to it and the like, but instead be able to help and, and, service, and be of service to them in keeping what is theirs. You are not to covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, cattle or whatever is his. What is this? Answer, we are to fear and love God so that we do not entice, force, or steal away our neighbor's spouses, household workers, or livestock, but instead urge them to stay and fulfill their responsibilities to our neighbors. These commandments are aimed directly against envy and miserable covetousness so that God may remove the root and cause from which all injuries arise all injuries to our neighbors. Above all, he wants the heart to be pure, even though as long as we live here, we cannot accomplish that. So this commandment remains, like all the rest, one that constantly accuses us and shows us how upright we really are in God's sight. That was from Martin Luther. Um, and today's biblical wisdom um, comes from James 3, 14 through 17. And the word of God says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. 
But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And our devotion does ask for silence uh, for meditation. So if you'd like to meditate, pause the podcast or stop reading and sit quietly for 60 seconds or a few minutes or, you know, 10 to 15 minutes or however long you feel comfortable with and have time for. Focus on your breath and the calm stillness in the present moment that is always available to us in God's creation. And meditate on Martin Luther's comments for the day and the content of today's biblical wisdom. After you're done with that, um, you can ponder the questions we have. And the first one is, why do you think Luther calls covetousness miserable? And I say, I don't know if there is a more psychologically, spiritually, or emotionally miserable state than the feelings of wanting, longing, jealousy, shame, guilt, anger, lust, and envy that's around covetousness, the desire for things that are not yours. Covetousness comes from a false belief that you are lacking something and is idolatrous in nature as it falsely sees the obtaining of something that doesn't belong to you as the means to your happiness. And because it sets your eyes on on other people's possessions, it is also a form of theft or adultery. Uh, at the bottom of covetousness is rebellion against God as it reveals a distrust of the Lord to adequately provide for you. Yeah, and this commandment reveals just how serious God is about our thought lives and the desires of our hearts. God doesn't want us to be putting our minds or thoughts, or, or, well, our minds or our hearts in, into this activity because he knows it separates us from him and if left unchecked will do damage to our mental health and emotional health, if not to our relationship with, with our neighbors. Covetousness is the root of so much pain and sin that God was specific in including it in the Ten Commandments. Uh, the next question is, greed, envy, and covetousness are all around. How can our faith help us to counteract this reality? Our faith should show us that we are accepted, significant, and secure in Christ alone, and that none of the things we would covet or are greedy or envious of will meet those needs. Our faith would properly reveal that covetousness causes us that covetousness causes to, to, to sin and believe a lie. Anyway, uh, we move on to the third question. Why does Luther see helping the neighbor as so important to the Ten Commandments? Well, Jesus affirms that loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves to be the culmination of the Law and the Prophets. Um, so, uh, Luther's, Luther rightly includes encouragements to go beyond ourselves and help our neighbors when he teaches on properly following the Ten Commandments. Breaking the Ten Commandments usually involves harming our neighbors, so Luther advises us to help them instead. That moves us to the psalm fragment from today's devotional, which is Psalm 52, 6 and 7, where the Word of God says, The righteous will see and fear and will laugh at the evildoer, saying, See... The one who would not take refuge in God, but trusted in abundant riches and sought refuge and wealth. Yeah. So, yeah, just laugh at him, I guess. Anyway, uh, we move along to the journal reflections. Uh, the first one says, Envy is often pictured as a green-eyed monster. 
as you examine yourself, write about what, if any, role this green-eyed monster plays in your own life. If I'm honest, I am envious of others with successful ministries, as my heart's desire to be used by God for the, Lord, for the glory of his kingdom, and I pray that I can come to a place where I am in full-time ministry. My fear, and I say my obligations and responsibilities, keeps me from abandoning my day job uh, to pursue full-time ministry. And so I look at others who were brave who were brave enough to do that and am envious of their convictions and the success of those who are thriving in it. Materially, I am also sometimes envious of those who have wealth, even though I know that money won't bring happiness or love. The next journal entry prompting is, would you describe yourself as content or envious of others? Are you satisfied or covetous? Explain. Although I just admitted to feelings of envy, I would describe myself as content and satisfied because I am. I am extremely happy with where the Lord has brought me in life and am content to stay more or less right where I am. But at the same time, I feel a call or a compulsion to keep going to see what else the Lord wants to do in my life. So I'm content and satisfied day to day for the most part, but continue to look forward to whatever the future the Lord has for me. Yeah. And uh, the last prompting uh, from our, um, our, our daily devotional is uh, meditate on what it would mean to have a pure heart. Luther says we can't accomplish it on our own. Do you think that is true? How would one go about seeking a pure heart? A pure heart would be one free of covetousness, and that is only possible through our faith in God and through his power to change us. I believe that to be true. We need God's wisdom to see how we desire the wrong things in life. We can seek a pure heart by surrendering to God and following him with the way we live our lives. That means repentance changing our thoughts, desires, beliefs, and actions to cast out anything impure that causes us to stumble. Finally, the prayers for the the uh, from our 40-day journey with Martin Luther, the prayers for the life of faith ask us to pray for those who would may be consumed with envy so much that they cannot be freed from it. They ask that you would have the courage to speak to your relative or friend about the problem. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for those who are consumed by envy to come to know you and to be saved and set free of the miserable state that covetousness creates. Give me the courage to speak to those who are suffering from envy's poison with compassion, wisdom, and love. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, the, the, uh, lots of finalies. The prayer for today is, uh, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and purify it. Cleanse it from envy and covetousness and help me to live in gratitude for what I have. Amen. I just have to say, you know, that gratitude is the way to live. So if you don't practice gratitude, you should. That's just giving thanks every day for what God's done in your life. So we move along to our daily uh, Bible verse, which comes from the Quick Scripture Reference or Counseling by John G. Cruis. This morning's meditation verse comes from the section on contentment, coveting, and priorities, sort of ironic. And it's uh, the, today's verse is 1 Timothy 6.6 6 from the New American Standard Bible. The Word of God says, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Today's verse falls under the first point of our Counseling Reference Guide's resource section on contentment, co coveting, and priorities. And that first point is... 
godliness with contentment is great gain. And today's verse tells us that godliness and contentment are the means of great gain. Not surprisingly, the verses that lead to this one uh, tell us not to be obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicions, as Paul talked of men destitute of the truth who thought they could gain something through godliness. Sort of like the priority uh, prosperity gospel, uh, being motivated by selfish desires and believing primarily that if they act right and make the right arguments or believe right theologically, they'll be blessed materially. But the apostle puts us straight uh, that it is contentment, not striving after material or positional blessings, and godliness that great, leads to great gain spiritually that matters. So be godly and content and testify to just how great the gain it, the gain you receive is when you walk with the Lord and are happy with the things you have. As always, we invite you all to go to mtforchrist.org where we always share insights from prominent Christian theologians and counselors to assist our brothers and sisters in Christ with their walk. Today we continue sharing from According to Your Word, Morning and Evening Through the New Testament by Stephen F. Alford which is a collection of journals from, you know, uh, 1940 and 41. And in those journals, um, uh, Alford encourages us to read a chapter of Scripture every day. And today's chapter would be Luke 3, from what she shares from verse 2, uh, the following uh, passage. The word of God came unto John in the wilderness. And Stephen Alford writes, in Luke 180, uh, it is recorded that of John that he was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. It is very obvious that the desert or the wilderness were God's training school for the, this coming man of God. He had to learn of God in private before preaching in public. The wilderness speaks of the place of retirement, rest, and quiet. It is only in such a place that God can teach the more intimate and secret revelations of his will. It is very interesting and important to note the number of times the Lord Jesus sought the quiet and retirement of the wilderness during his ministry. It is the place where the word of God becomes the real weapon for the battle of preaching. And Alford ends his little devotional journal by uh, praying, Lord, make my times with you a desert experience full of rest and revelation from you. Amen. And, yeah, we draw draw into seclusion, draw into silence, go to your quiet place, go out in nature to be amongst God's creation, and pray to the Lord. Bring your Bible and um, ask for revelation. Um, you know, it's a spiritual practice to draw into silence and, and study and uh, prayer to hear from the Lord. And so we, we certainly recommend that on the path of Christian discipleship. It's uh, part of what we do as God's God's disciples as we do what Jesus did, who separated himself for quiet times with prayer, um, you know, and and he did he did so in the wilderness. So, you know, go to a nature trail, go to a mountain or a lake or to the ocean, and you know, bring God with you and see what He has to reveal to you uh, when you follow Him. Uh, as always, we encourage well a life of Christian discipleship and having a quiet time every day. Uh, Bible study and prayer and um, just you know trying to repent of the world's ways 
um, forsaking the things of this world and following the Lord with the way you live your life. And, of course, sharing the gospel and trying to make disciples of everyone we meet. Because we know the, the hope we have in Christ and the new life we have in Christ and the freedom we receive through Christ. And um, that's a good thing. And we want to we want to make sure we don't separate ourselves in the wilderness for too long. And we want to share this message of hope with as many people as possible. That's why we blog. That's why we do the podcast. That's why we pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for another day in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you so much for the freedom you've given us um, as we decided to follow you as much as we can. And we try to increase that more and more every day. Um, Lord, we just um, we thank you and we pray for you to go before us today. Open our eyes to the things we, you want us to see. Lead us into the things you would have us to do. And we also ask you to come alongside of our friends who are listening or reading today's message. That you would bless them and their walk of faith and their prayer request. Because we all need your help, Lord. Uh, we need it. We, we need it every day. And um, we just pray for it, um, for you to help us and guide us in the way we should go. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.